You can totally do this. You have to pause and ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself here? And more importantly, is that story true? We don't want the thing. We think we want the thing, but what we really want is the feeling we think the thing is gonna give us. It is that simple. It is that complicated. It is so much easier than you think it's gonna be. Clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. This is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Okay. Hello, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm going to dive right into, (laughs) I'm going to just dive right into this episode, which I've titled How to Use NLP to Unlearn Toxic Programming. And that is a heavy title. NLP, in case you don't already know, stands for neuro-linguistic programming. And it's one of the cornerstone modalities of my coaching practice. It's a go-to for me. It's basically the user's manual on how to understand your own mind, how it works, and specifically how to reprogram it if what you believe to be true is unhealthy or toxic. So despite the heaviness of that title, this podcast contains super valuable information into like your life in general, but specifically for your life right now, as you might be feeling like, what the fuck is happening and what do I do about it? I got to tell you, I don't have the words to even fully comment on what is happening right now. To me, this feels like a civil war is happening with generations and thousands of years of systemic oppression and injustice coming to the surface, followed by a few people on Instagram starting movements trying to undo this damage overnight on social media by pitting groups against each other. But creating another quote unquote other doesn't work to create peace to create harmony, to create empathy and deep understanding. How we got here, in part, is by creating a story of what that other looks like. And while I am by no means qualified to explain or even weigh in on what that experience has felt like for millions of people of color... I am qualified to speak to some observations of the human emotional experience and do my part to shed some light and insights on what each of us can do right here, right now. You can call this armchair activism if you want, and you can judge this how you wish. This is, the, this is what I can offer to the collective healing from my own tiny corner of the world in the best possible way I know how. A few years ago, I watched the documentary 13th by Ava DuVernay. This is a must-watch documentary as it paints the haunting and realistic picture that the 13th Amendment, which effectively abolished slavery in the U.S., didn't really abolish slavery in the U.S. The white guys in charge just kind of used it as a shell game called the prison system to further oppress black men and black families and black communities. Being a young white woman in Canada in the thick of raising a family and starting a business mid-divorce, yes, 
this, like watching this documentary was an eye opener to me for better, for worse, for right or for wrong. It is what it is. This was an eye opener for me. And I'd love to share that with you here today. It was a devastating eye opener. I was at the very beginning of my own waking up from my own life, which ended up being the waking up uh, in uh, thinking in terms of we, not just of me. So as the credits roll at the end of this film, they do this slideshow of totally normal, happy black families doing totally normal, happy family things, watering the lawn, having birthday parties, eating dinner, having picnics. And against the background of this incredible song called Letter to the Free by Common, I had a painful and gut-wrenching realization in that moment. I had never seen images of totally normal, happy black families doing things like this. Growing up and socializing in predominantly white communities for my entire life, The only images, like physical images, that I had seen in movies, TV shows, news reports, or mental imagery created from the music I was listening to, it was all singularly painted as something completely opposite to like normal happy families. And that realization slapped me in the face of not only what white privilege looks like, but what it does not look like. And rather what systemic oppression, and I'll say it, indoctrination looks like. Now, let me pause here to say that I am very much aware of my own white and biased lens and experience. I fully acknowledge that. And I acknowledge that in sharing this podcast and the insights therein, my intention is simply to offer up some subconscious patterns I have observed in my own life experience so that I can play a part in this domino effect of change for good. One of my favorite and consistent pieces of feedback notes is, holy shit, Lise, I've never thought of it like that. You know, listening to your podcast totally changed my opinion on how I saw that. This is a perspective shifter that I sincerely hope does not get that feedback. I hope that many other people, especially white people, are already aware of how painfully skewed our media and content is, but I know that will not be true for many people. So if I misspeak, if I misstep, if this conversation comes out wrong or even cringy, well, shit, I can tell you that opening up this dialogue and having this conversation from a place of compassion, honesty, education with the intent to unlearn what we knew and now learn what we know is of super high importance to me as a woman, a mother, a leader, and a citizen of humanity. And frankly, I would rather get it wrong while trying to get it right than by playing it safe with silence and getting it utterly and completely wrong through that inactive complicit silence. So circling back to these very basic images of family life that I had unbelievably, painfully never seen before, my thinking went immediately to a place of instant overwhelm. How the hell did I miss this? How was I so unaware of my own blind spots? 
how am I single-handedly going to undo generations of injustice and like radically change the prison system? And I started to spiral out emotionally. This week, seeing footage of civil unrest and riots across America in response to some of the most painful civilian captured filming over the last few months, that same feeling came up. Holy shit. How do I fix this? How can I, one person in Coburg, Ontario, fix this? And the same answer came up now that came up when I was watching this documentary. And that is for me to use my natural God-given strengths and talents and apply them here. While I was watching 13th, I remember vividly hearing and acting on if I can use my talents and strengths to empower people to just be themselves, I am helping people strip away their own fear and judgments. I am giving them permission to show up fully in their life as they are and then use their own natural strengths and talents in their own God-given way so that they can affect the world around them. So working off of the ripple effect principle, the more people I reach and work with, the bigger my impact and the bigger their impact, more importantly, becomes in the world. Simply by showing up, being ourselves, and using the gifts we each possess within us. I wrote on Instagram earlier this week, uh, and I shared a new uh, Instagram TV episode from my new series, You Can't Unhear This. And in that post, in that video, I shared that the amazing author and activist, Barbara Coloroso, describes the bullying dynamic as a triad. You have the bully, the bullied, and the bystander. I would argue this dynamic is true of abuse and oppression too, because what we're essentially talking about is a power dynamic that is significantly out of whack, that is significantly unbalanced. And more often than not, it's being witnessed by a third party who stays fucking silent. Typically, we focus on why is this person being victimized and why is this person doing the victimizing? But to affect actual, lasting change, we need to shift our attention to why the fuck is this fucking person standing by and watching it happen without fucking doing anything about it? In bullying, that bystander is disgustingly usually an adult, a teacher, a parent, a relative, a coach, a family friend, who stands by and watches the abuse happen, not wanting to get involved, not wanting to get it wrong by speaking up too soon, not wanting to rock the boat, justifying their own inaction by assuming it's different from what they see or justified in some way, not really their responsibility or, you know, their business. Does this sound familiar? When it comes to witnessing the gross injustice called racism, Many of us have been complicit bystanders. There's a movement happening on Instagram right now to mute and to listen. 
It's a campaign to get white voices, businesses, and influencers to just shut up and listen, allowing real black voices to come to the table and not only speak up, but to be heard, to stop doing the emotional labor of explaining to their non-black friends what their experience actually feels like and to not have their content exploited or misappropriated and have their own voice be amplified in the vacuum of the absence of white noise, pun intended. I opted in to participate in this on Instagram, and I will tell you that it has been a challenge because while I absolutely understand the symbolism of this and agree with it, It also feels extremely counterintuitive to stop talking right now, right as we're finally about to open up the conversation. It feels counterintuitive to me for us to stop talking. So again, you can judge this specific podcast or my involvement in creating this podcast and invariably sharing it on Instagram. You can judge that as you wish. But to me, it makes a lot more sense to come to the table together, to listen and to speak with the intention of being heard and supported so that we can heal the collective and move forward together. My work as a coach is focused on this exactly, the emotional awareness of identifying and feeling your feelings so that you can trace them back to their root learn what you need to learn in order to feel free, heal, and move forward. Interestingly, very, very interestingly, when we trace those feelings back to their root, sometimes it's an experience that happened in your own life. Sometimes it's an experience that happened, brace yourself, in a past life. And sometimes it's an experience that happened in one of your ancestors or one of your relatives' lives that has been passed down to you and has become your burden to heal. I know this sounds crazy, but it is 1,000% true, and I have seen it not only in my own life, but I have witnessed it firsthand in many of my clients' lives as well. The reality is that much of the trauma we experience in our life, surprisingly, isn't the trauma itself. It's our inability to talk about the experience in a safe and open way that actually exacerbates and causes further trauma. So what I can bring to this conversation is the very real and very open invitation to really sit with your feelings right now and actively listen compassionately as people around you do the same. And it is going to be a lot of feelings, some of which might be so intense that they might make you squirm with discomfort. We're still in the middle of dealing with a global pandemic. In my intimate conversations with past, current, and potential clients, I can tell you with a great degree of certainty that this pandemic has brought everyone's insecurities and deepest shadowed vulnerabilities to the surface. I've been using the analogy that the COVID starter pack came with a roll of toilet paper, 
hand sanitizer, and an invisible sign to hang around your neck that says, hello, my name is Lise, and I am deeply afraid I will never be loved. So knowing that we're all still in mostly silently contending with facing those fears we've repressed over a lifetime, like not feeling good enough, never measuring up to our father's expectations, being totally unworthy of the success that we've been dreaming about, all those things that we've been carrying around but repressing and not daring to feel into. Now we've added the complexity of openly talking about the very real fact that racism is alive and well, and that we've all been, unwittingly or otherwise, complicit in it. So what we're doing right now and what we're talking about right now is activating the bystander, finally digging deep into the role we've all played in allowing racism and injustice to happen. Not unlike the Me Too movement, in which we finally came to the light to talk about the dark shadow that had been hanging over our collective. This is a similar experience in elevating that collective consciousness so that we can do things differently from this moment forward in our cultural, global, human growth. No big deal, right? Uh, If you're feeling exhausted recently, this is why. This is epic work. It's overdue and it's 100% necessary on a massive scale. But really, it's really, really tiring to feel your way through as you navigate and process and then unlearn and change your behavior in all these things. In activating and empowering ourselves to act as bystanders, becoming aware of our own subconscious bias is key. If you've been listening to this show for a while or following me on Instagram at Lise Wilcox, or if you are about to read my first book, To Call Myself Beloved, which comes out August 11th, you will have heard me speak about the subconscious mind a lot. And I will continue to do so because I am passionate about people understanding this so you can actually make real change in your life. Because we are exposed to literal millions of pieces of information every second, our brain has to filter out what we're experiencing, lest it explode. The way it filters out information is basically to use a lens of what it already believes to be true to be true and keeps looking for confirmation in the environment that that is, in fact, true. This is why if I say to you, man, have you noticed how many white SUVs are driving around these days? You will invariably notice a sudden influx of white SUVs driving around. Our brain looks for confirmation of what it believes to be true, to be true. This is also why if you have been in one relationship with a narcissistic partner, you will more than likely be in another and another until you consciously decide to change that behavior by changing that lens. When you do the emotional work, which is what people come to me and work with me for, you identify the feeling that tells you this is the relationship you need. You unlearn the old programming that taught you to look for that relationship in the first place, and you create new beliefs 
that translate into new behaviors that will allow your mind to start actually seeing in your conscious reality the many wonderful and loving, emotionally available people out there looking to be in an awesome and mutually respectful relationship with you. It is that simple. It is that complicated. We can apply this same principle of neuro-linguistic programming of NLP to changing our lens with respect to racism and cultural bias as well. So circling back to that family photo example I mentioned, it's looking at these images, not of images of people of color getting arrested, carrying weapons, attacking cops on the street, that starts to undo a rampant programmed bias. When you only see one image being represented over and over and over again, that becomes your unconscious bias. The brain is wonderful and complex. And in this one particular area, it is incredibly lazy. So if you've only fed it one image, it will continue to look for proof of that image to be true on repeat until you feel it, feed it more different and much healthier images to consume. Some of my clients come to me with concerns about the umbrella term you know, body issues. Maybe you can relate to this, the feeling that unless you're size zero, five, nine with perfect teeth and no neck fat, you aren't really beautiful. You aren't really worthy. You don't really count. That's clearly bullshit. And we know rationally that those images you see on movies or in magazines on Instagram are largely doctored and photoshopped into being something that they're not, which means an entire industry is being propped up on smoke and mirrors to tell you a story about your beauty and your worth that not only isn't real, it simply isn't true. But knowing that that is the truth, that that is what it is, that is what's happening, think of in your own life the work you've had to do and are very likely still doing in order to combat that toxic programming. For my clients that come to me with these kinds of concerns, I always ask them to start looking for conscious proof that what they want to be true is true. So for example, if someone's deep shadow fear is that curvy or overweight women don't have as much value as thin women, I have them come up with a huge list of examples that prove the opposite to be true. Somebody comes to me feeling that they'll never be in a wonderful relationship, I have them come up with a list of the many healthy relationships that they already know in their own life that are very much alive and true. This is a foundational exercise that you can use for literally any, any aspect of your life that feels insecure. You can turn it into being secure by using this technique. It's foundational in teaching your brain to see the world differently and to start to undo the toxic programming and messaging that's been unconsciously weighing on you and replace it with far healthier and way more realistic truths. We can further activate our bystander status by feeding these images to our kids. As a parent, I have a huge collection of stories for my kids about now famous leaders who were then outliers or rebels of their time who stood up and spoke up for what was right 
many of whom are people of color. We have little feminist-themed puzzles and books, a collection of kid-friendly biographies of Black leaders, and we consciously watch shows that are more racially inclusive to fill in the blanks of a cultural education they likely won't otherwise get until we further change the system in which we've been living. This is a small shift that has huge impact in our lives and the lives of generations to come. Not only having these frank and open conversations, but to consciously draw our awareness to what we're consuming, why we're consuming it, what story that content is telling us, and asking very honestly if that story is in fact true. I want to thank you for sharing this space with me and for sitting with your own awareness and feelings in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. I read an article that the one and only Barack Obama wrote on Medium this week with his opinion on how to keep this momentum going. And in his words, let's get to work. Learn from the past, prepare for your future, but ultimately you have to live in the now. It's fascinating when you just focus on, you know, imagining what the highest version of yourself would do, and then you start to act as if you already are that person, you can watch it transform your behavior right now. 